Hi, and welcome to the 59th edition of 5 Minutes of Rum, Notes on Rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Upthegrove. Today's episode features Chairman's Reserve Rum from St. Lucia, some initial thoughts on the new Smuggler's Cove book and Martin Kate's rum categorization, and then I'll make a relatively recent cocktail from Martin Kate that appears in the Smuggler's Cove book and was served at the 2015 Hukilau Tiki Tower Takeover, a cocktail called The Formidable Dragon. Also at the top of the show, I want to take a second to say thank you to all of you that are listening to the show. Um, I don't get a ton of feedback, but I'm always really happy to hear from people on Instagram and Twitter or email or website comment uh, just to hear the people are listening to and enjoying the show. So thanks again. Glad you enjoy it. And uh, tell a friend. Now, today's featured rum is Chairman's Reserve Rum from St. Lucia, like I said in the intro. Chairman's Reserve is a rum that I unfairly ignored when I saw it on the shelf for so many years. Uh, It's a blended rum from St. Lucia, which isn't one of the largest rum producing islands, but perhaps it's maybe a bit under the radar in that way. Um, If I tip my hand to my uh, closing thoughts, shall we move on? Um, Let's start with some some tasting notes, and then I'm going to vary or uh, switch up those tasting notes a little bit. I'll I'll get to that in a second. So uh, the rum itself, uh, very simple bottling. It has a matter-of-fact label. It has a metal screw top, uh, a sturdy squat bottle. Um, and to me, the bottle may be maybe a little bit too simplistic and too subtle. That was part of the reason why I kind of passed it over. Didn't give it a second thought. Not saying that I need, you know, fireworks or shaped bottles to uh, to entice me to buy it. But it was so nondescript that I kind of didn't have a good idea of what that rum was all about. Um, the rum itself uh, is a light brown. It's lighter than maple syrup, but certainly darker than a straw color. Um, it's probably similar in color to an Appleton VX or whatever they're calling it these days. Uh, and a Plantation 5, if that helps set the context for you. Aroma-wise, I found this rum in the glass to have, you know, mild astringency, uh, some fruity notes. It was almost like a Jamaican rum, like a not like an overpowering Jamaican rum, but it had some of those shared notes. Uh, some banana aroma a little bit, but it was very light, um, and seemed to have a little bit of that funk that reminds you of a pot still distillate, um, and then a, like a mild sweetness that you could smell as well. Now, when it comes to tasting the rum, um, it felt like on the first sip it had a, a nice little heat on the tongue and, and it had a very good body to the rum itself. Had a nice dryness without being too crisp. Um, felt like something between a Jamaican rum and a Barbados rum. Uh, it tastes like rum, and if I had to guess, uh, it doesn't seem to be sweetened with extra sugar. Uh, it's also got a little bit of earthiness on the back of the swallow, uh, very faint. So kind of a, a rum's rum that combines two of my favorites, a Jamaican rum and a, and a Barbados rum. Finish-wise, I found this to be a good finish, some lingering heat, but not really overpowering as expected because this is an 80-proof rum. Um, not terribly complex on the finish, but the, the rum can stayed consistent over, well, um, over from sip to swallow. So kind of a didn't really change much, but it was a consistent good flavor from, from point A to point B. Um, so to sum up on this rum, I'm frankly a little disappointed in myself for not picking it up sooner. Uh, I see a really good uh, number of mixing opportunities, and it stands on its own as a sipper. might not be something from the top shelf, but considering the price point, it's a real good dual-purpose rum. It feels like a like a solid choice for a planter's punch and working my way up from there. Um, and I'll be adding this rum into my the rotation of rums that I sip neat on the patio like a gentleman. Uh, this one, is a, a, to me, is a real keeper and has found its way into my what I would consider my permanent rotation. Now, with all that said, as I was reading the Smuggler's Cove book, which we're going to get to coming up next in the next segment, um, I wanted to take some of the advice, some of the advice that Martin Kate had uh, produced there on tasting. So I, I did change up my tasting regimen a little bit. Uh, he mentions that the swirling of the rum and the legs are more of a, a more a function of proof 
um, rather than anything else. So to better see the aging in the room, he suggests um, the experiment that we did back in an episode on the aged Appleton, which is where you tilt the glass into the, you know, tilt the glass and hold it up to a light and look for a, a green color near the top of the spirit. So the, sort of a greenish edge at the top of the spirit. The presence of that greenish edge indicates some age. Um, also, another thing to keep in mind, I think I've mentioned this in, in shows past, when you're smelling the rum, when you're putting it up to your nose, you also want to have an open mouth because you it, you take in aromas through your mouth and your nose. So you want to make sure that you keep your mouth open and keep your nose in the glass. Um, and then the most important thing, which I'm forgetting, which I've forgotten in the past, but I'm going to try and make an effort to remember, is when you take that first sip, take a small sip, swirl that rum around in your mouth, coat your mouth with it, but don't swallow it and spit. That's sort of conditioning your mouth uh, for the spirit. And it does seem a little counterintuitive to take a sip of rum and spit it out. Um, but I think in, uh, in the long term, it'll help you um, when you take that second sip, your mouth will kind of already be ready for for the flavors that it's going to get. So then when you take that second sip, you're going to enjoy that. You're going to swirl it around your mouth and then swallow that and then try and pick up the flavors and the notes. So I tried that with the chairman's reserve. Uh, it seemed to be a, a decent experiment. And so I'd recommend, you know, playing around with how you're tasting rum, but try that first sip, spit it out, condition your mouth, and then see if you get uh, some different flavors when you're, uh, when you're sipping it after that. Now, um, how about St. Lucia itself? I, I do believe this is the first rum on this show that is solely rum from St. Lucia. Um, I'm going to give myself a little bit of leeway because there's some blended rums that I've tasted before, or maybe feature on the show that probably contain a little bit of St. Lucian rum, but this is the first one that is, you know, through and through 100% St. Lucian rum. So let's start a little bit with the island itself. Um, now, for me, growing up in Southern California and taking that full 3.5 years of high school Spanish, I was confidently processing the name as St. Lucia, but in actuality, it's pronounced St. Lucia. Uh, St. Lucia is an island in the eastern end of the Caribbean, part of the Lesser Antilles. Uh, you would slot this island in between Barbados and Martinique, which is pretty good company to keep. Now, unlike what I imagined for this island, and by the way, kids, do your homework before talking into a podcast mic. Oh, and also probably stop listening to rum podcasts. Um, unlike what I first expected, the French were the first in invader, no, settlers, settlers. They were the first settlers. Uh, England promptly laid claim three years later after the French arrived. The English and the French proceeded to trade rule over St. Lucia 14 times before England finally emerged on top in 1814. Now, while the sugar trade was in full swing, the island was a very valuable property. Over the course of the last few hundred years, nary a Spanish settlement in sight and primarily a British influence. So in the past, I would have said, cool, English-style rum, more heavy body and pot stilled. Now, that may be correct, but in terms of uh, classification, well, We'll get to that shortly. Uh, suffice to say that it remains a part of the British Empire, becoming an independent state of the Commonwealth of Nations in 1979. Uh, brief aside, if you've never seen the video where CPG Gray explains the British Empire, uh, go check it out. It's very informative and very densely packed with information. There's a link to that video in the show notes. Um, show notes, which I've probably never fully explained, and why not do it in here in episode 59, are most easily found in two places. First, on the 5 Minutes of Rum website, the episode page itself will contain all of the links and photos for information contained within that show. And second, your better podcast clients, I prefer Overcast on iOS, will load the episode page in the app so that you can scroll through the photos and links, uh, as well as chapter markers if the podcast app supports it. Uh, if I'd done a better job of creating shorter URLs for episodes, I'd probably rattle that off and say that's where the show notes are. For now, I'd say just visit the site and you'll find it under the episodes link, the episode guide. Uh, end aside. So rum production for St. Lucian Chairman's Reserve. Okay, so we have a Caribbean island. We have It's near other rum-producing islands. 
and St. Lucia is also producing rum. So what can we find out about it? The Chairman's Reserve brand is owned by the St. Lucia Distillers Groups. There's a bit of info on their site. The rum was first blended in 1999. It was named for then-Chairman Lori Barnard, who was interested in creating a rum blended from column and pot still distillate. It was produced originally for the local region, and then obviously have expanded over time, or else you wouldn't be able to find it on your shelf. The rum is aged in American oak, formerly bourbon barrels. It's aged by still, so pot and column, and then blended. So they age the pot distillate, they age the column distillate, and then they blend it together. After it's blended again, it's or after it's blended, it's then aged again for six months, um, just to settle in, just to kind of let those uh, different distillates you know merge together. The producer says that the blend averages five years, so I'll take that at face value. Uh, that means that there are young and old rums in the blend. Now, what I'm now that what I'm fond of doing, um, I checked the entry for Chairman's Reserve on the Ministry of Rum. Uh, there, I found confirmation on some of the pieces of intel, like it being from a molasses-based rum, which didn't really require much in the way of detective work. It obviously wasn't an agricole. Um, and Ministry of Rum also gives names to the stills. It's the John Doerr pot still, assuming it's not the same John Doerr I know from Stop Podcasting Yourself, which why would it be? And the Kentucky Vendome pot still then mixed, and then that those two are mixed with column still. Uh, and then I checked it on Difford's Guide, and the pot still component is about 5%, but I think it makes its presence uh, pretty well known. Finally, Ministry of no, Ministry of Rum notes that this rum can be limited due to the limited supply of rum on St. Lucia. So great, more scarce and delicious rum to chase after. So I guess if you see some, buy some. Uh, in terms of buying some, where to find it, um, and what what kind of you know what are the stats on the rum? It's a standard 80 proof rum, 40% ABV. Can be found in your better liquor markets. Uh, bigger locations like Bevmo or Total Wine may not be the best location. I found mine locally um, at the better mid-market specialty liquor store. So something between your corner liquor store of Bev- or Bevmo. So for me, that market is usually fulfilled by Van Nuys Wine and Liquor Depot in Southern California or Mission Spirits or the ever-popular High Time in Costa Mesa, which does do mail order. So if, you, uh, if you're in a state that can do delivery of spirits, that High Time is probably a good option. All right, let's talk a little bit about Smuggler's Cove, the book, or full title, Smuggler's Cove, Exotic Cocktails, Rum, and the Cult of Tiki, which kind of just sums up the whole thing right there. Um, I picked this book up about a month ago uh, at the Hukilau, got our first copy there. Yes, I said first copy. Um, and since that time, I've been, you know, I've been sort of alternating between skimming the book and savoring each word, much like I did when I picked up Pirates of the or Pirates, Potions of the Caribbean. So this is the kind of book where I, I want to devour it, but I also want to stretch it out as long as I can. Books are really hard and take a long time to write and produce, so it's not like a copy of Rolling Stone where a new one's going to come out in two weeks. So in that way, I want to kind of make the experience last as long as possible, but at the same time, it's a great book, and I want to I want to pretty much read through it and get all the information out. So sort of that tension between those two. I think there's a couple chapters I haven't finished yet, but um, I'm inch, inching my way towards completion. Uh, so Martin and Rebecca Kate have created a very thorough compendium to the modern tiki movement um, seen through the lens of rum and classic cocktails. So it's like my own special version of the book of tiki for me. Uh, the book covers very distinct sections, starting with a history so you know where you're coming from. The book then takes a look at the titular bar, Smuggler's Cove, and how that was created. In fact, I still remember my first Tiki Oasis Symposium in 2009 when Smuggler's Cove was getting close to being open, and I was so excited to see, um, I was so excited at that point. I got the little postcard that you know, had the logo on it and said it was coming soon. I was very excited to take my first trip up there to see it. Um, 
The next section is uh, in the book is learning about rum because that you need something to build upon. So you learn the basics and then you proceed. Uh, then the next section is technique, uh, how to create these wonderful cocktails and really realizing that it is all within your reach, something that I hope the listeners of this show can vouch for. Um, and finally, there's a section on hospitality, like creating your own backyard tiki party and making sure that your guests are having a fine time. Each chapter closes with numerous recipes. Ultimately, I think there's maybe a close to 100 recipes, maybe a little bit more. I didn't count them. Uh, and best of all, there's plenty of Smuggler's Cove cocktails. So you can make those cocktails in your very own home. Um, I would definitely recommend going to Smuggler's Cove if you have the opportunity. And I 100% recommend going and getting the book. Uh, I imagine most people, I think I said this in the, epi- in the episode previous to this, most people listening to the show probably, even if they um, don't have it yet, have heard of it. But I would definitely encourage you. It's it's um, if even if you've seen a lot of hype, it's worth the hype. Um, now, there's different aspects of the book that I want to discuss in different episodes, but we may as well start with the elephant in the room, which is, uh, you know, essentially the way I've traditionally talked about rum on this show and the rum different rum styles on this show versus uh, Martin's recategorization of rum that's in the Smuggler's Cove book. So. Uh, with respect to that, the TLDR version is that Martin Kate has proposed that rum be categorized by production style and aging, not by island heritage. Uh, he lays out a very compelling case that I think makes a lot of sense. So in preparation for my symposium at Tiki Caliente 7 last year, where I was going to do an intro to rum class with its roots in the Spanish slash English slash French style of categorization, I had read a book called The Distiller's Guide to Rum. In that book, Martin had a passage that explain that due to production methods and modern geographic considerations, the old categories didn't for rum didn't work quite as well as they once did. Um, I still felt that for a new rum taster, um, the basic three would be an easy way to approach the different styles of rum just to sort of illustrate their differences, particularly when I could pick out the representative examples. So if I'm creating a course that says this is what this style of rum is, it's easy for me if I'm going to go ahead and say, here, here's an ex- here's a very specific example. But of course, there's hundreds of rum out there that easily don't that don't easily fit into those three boxes, and that's where you start to run into problems because people are looking for things that are a certain style, um, and those styles aren't always as obvious as um, as they may have once been. So, in the Smuggler's Cove book, Martin has created distinct categories based on aging and distillation method that line up with the profiles of rum types that you may want to mix in a cocktail. Each category has numerous examples of that style. So there's pot still unaged or blended lightly aged or column still long aged or cane pot still aged or one of my favorites cane aoc martinique rum agricole blanc Um, so once i saw the rums that were listed in each um, category it sort of clicked and made a lot of sense to me now that said i i also purchased a kindle edition of the book and as well and then i refer to that in my home bar on an ipad Um, And you can be sure that I've bookmarked the rum categories for reference as I mix my way through the book. Um, That's right. The Kindle is version two of the book I have purchased. Um, So that way you can take the book with you or you can use it in your home bar. uh, And then you can keep the hardbound version on your coffee table. In fact, the center margins of the book are so generous, I'm probably going to buy another one, chop the spine off, and then have it spiral bound um, also for bar use. Now, Um, One of the things that I would say with the rum categories is all the recipes, as you might imagine, are laid out by style of rum. So it makes sense to definitely either bookmark or dog ear or however you're going to do it. You're going to refer to that rum section quite a bit as you find the different things to fit into those categories. So you're going to want to another thing, another possibility if I hadn't bought the electronic version is I was just going to print those pages out and tape them to the inside of my counter so I could reference them easily. But whatever, whatever method you choose, you're probably going to want to make reference to those 
very often as you work your way through the recipes that are in Smuggler's Cove, or in the Smuggler's Cove book. Um, the book itself, I'll also say, is very much in Martin's voice. Um, I think uh, Jeff Berry's books are very much in his voice. Also, I've just been more, I, not more, I've been fortunate to hear Martin give more talks than I have Jeff Berry. Jeff Berry, the first time I got to see him do a talk in person was last month at the Hukula, which was awesome. Uh, but because Martin gives talks every year at Tiki Oasis, I've also been fortunate enough to see him speak many times. Um, and I can hear him speaking very clearly in the printed words. So, for example, on page 192, in reference to uh, to rum and what to pair it with, and I quote, rum's best friends that aren't named lime and sugar are named cigar and chocolate. So just a small thing, but I could definitely, oh, sorry, end quote. A small thing, um, but I definitely could hear that um, as something Martin would say in a symposium. And yes, the first time that I attended a rum symposium was the aforementioned seminal, at least for me, 2009 Tiki Oasis. And that symposium was indeed rum and chocolate and featured a fine sample of Appleton rums along with chocolate. So for me, very influential to be sure. So more to come on this tome in future shows between Beach Bunbury Remixed, the upcoming 10th anniversary and Expanded Sip and Safari, Potions of the Caribbean, and now the Smuggler's Cove book. Wow, what a time to be alive and fan of rum and tiki cocktails. Um, I mean, there's plenty of other unsavory things out there in the world, but at least for now, we can have these things and we can enjoy them. The recipe in this episode is the Formidable Dragon. This recipe appears early in the Smuggler's Cove book under the Tiki Revival section. That would put it squarely in the modern age, but with a nod to classic recipes. Uh, it first appeared uh, served by Martin Kate at the 2015 Hukilau Tiki Tower Takeover event. Uh, Hurricane Hayward subsequently published a tribute recipe, which is where I first heard about it and first had a, a try at, uh, at tasting the possibilities within this cocktail. There's a link to that uh, tribute recipe in the show notes. I recall at the time Jim saying that he could taste uh, the different spice elements, but didn't quite have them all figured out. A year later, it would become much more clear why that was the case, and that's because the spice component is coming in combined form uh, from the use of Amaro de Ingostura, our friend from episode 55 in the Snake Pit. So since you for sure already have a bottle of that on hand from that episode, you're all set here, right? Oh, and how do you pronounce formidable? Is it a formidable or formidable dragon? Um, I would say both ways, of course, depending on the situation. Now, what about the name itself? Why, why the formidable dragon? Our old friend from episode 25, Admiral Vernon or Old Grog, he coined the term formidable dragon to describe drunkenness. Um, I'm not really going to argue with that uh, name or how it, what it implies. Seems to fit perfectly well. Um, this recipe, among other things, calls for molasses syrup. Uh, this is a recipe that is uh, provided in the Smuggler's Cove book. Uh, simply put, this is a two-to-one simple syrup with the addition of molasses. Uh, my, myself, personally, when I make it, I have the recipe uh, from what's provided in the Smuggler's Cove book because I'm not running a high-profile rum bar, and even with the half, I'm probably still making too much at a time. And why do I say that? Uh, my observation in making it at home is that the delicious and aromatic molasses part of that loses pungency somewhat quickly. So make only as much as you plan to use in a month. Uh, once the molasses flavor and aroma starts to fade in flavor, you're not getting out of it what you want to be putting into it. So for now, especially since I've been making many a dragon in the run-up for the show, I'm currently using two cups of granulated sugar, one cup of water, and two tablespoons of molasses. Uh, per the instructions in the book, I boiled the water first, added the sugar and whisked until it dissolved quickly, and then added the molasses while whisking and then killed the heat. And then once it cooled, poured it into an old rum bottle and stored it in the fridge. Photos are, where else, in the show notes. Now the recipe for the formidable dragon itself. 
is as follows. Three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice, three quarters of an ounce of fresh lemon juice, one half ounce of honey mix or honey syrup. That's a uh, a one-to-one honey-to-water ratio, or if you're uh, feeling rich, a two-to-one honey-to-water ratio. Three-quarter ounce of the aforementioned molasses syrup, one-half ounce of Amaro di Angostura, one and one-half ounce of blended aged rum, so in this case, the Chairman's Reserve Rum, one ounce of black blended rum, or in this case, a Caruba, and then uh, one-quarter ounce of pot-stilled, lightly-aged overproof. Uh, in this case, I'm using Smith & Cross. That's a pretty narrow category for pot-stilled, lightly-aged overproof. Smith & Cross fits the bill. And then one ounce of seltzer or club soda. Uh, combine all of those ingredients into a mixing tin with 18 ounces, which is just over two cups of crushed ice. Uh, per the Smuggler's Cove book, you also want to add four to six what uh, they call agitator small cracked ice cubes as needed. Uh, the ice, the cracked ice or the crushed ice slash cracked ice that I get out of my wearing uh, ice crusher kind of gives me that shape in some of the ice cubes anyway. So I don't, uh, I just go with whatever comes out of the wearing and blend that for about five seconds. And then you're going to pour that unstrained into a snifter. Or if you have one, pour that into the Kahiko signature Kahiko Tiki mug from Smuggler's Cove. And yes, it's a Tiki mug because it has a Tiki on it. Sometimes the Tiki part of a Tiki mug gets a little bit lost in translation. Uh, garnish that drink with a swizzle stick, uh, uh, spanked the mint, and put that inside to drink. And if you have one on hand, an edible orchid. Now, taste. Um, I, of course, have one right here, so hold on just for a moment. Mm, that is what I would call a, a real grog uh, for the ages. It builds upon a navy grog the way that the 2070 swizzle builds upon the 151 swizzle. Um, so it takes all of the components and then sort of tweaks them and, and, and you know, sort of turns them up a little bit um, until it reaches like another level of, of the version that it's building upon. Um, do make sure to use the molasses syrup. It's in there for a good reason. Uh, the way the molasses syrup combines with the Amaro um, really sort of elevates the entire drink. So, by the way, I've also used the rum classification guide in the Smuggler's Cove book to try some other, quote, aged blended rums, unquote, and found that the Plantation 5 uh, works well in the Chairman's Reserve spot, so you can give that a go. Uh, head on back to Episode 1 and listen to my lesson-form tank on Pla- Plantation 5 rum from Barbados and make yourself another formidable dragon. That's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number5minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. You can subscribe, you can rate the show, you can even leave a review. The show is also on Twitter and Instagram as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's the at symbol, number 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in any comments, corrections, feedback, or requests via the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter. And now, go get some rum. And the Smuggler's Cove book. <laughs>